0: All right, all right. We uh, are in uh, Thessalonians. And, you know, you think about it when you read through a book. You think about, you know, the context, you know, and uh, sometimes you even start thinking a little personal, you know, what about these guys, these Thessalonians? I think it'd be really cool to be able to meet them, you know? Have you ever thought about that? You know, it was was a young church when Paul wrote them here, very young. um, But they had developed, they were kind of like a model church. And we saw the first uh, chapter where the the example that they they set, and Paul was commending them highly and then uh, Paul kind of defends his ministry and what he 's about and he has a show he shows a concern for uh, their faith uh, persecution had come upon them, and so they were going through some pretty tough things and uh, at the same time in chapter four, he plead pleaded that they would uh, you know, stay pure and their conduct would be uh, orderly. And, uh, so that's what he, uh, he dealt with early on. And then in the last part of Thessalonians here, he dealt with the rapture and then the, the day of the Lord because they had a, a big concern. Okay, since, since these are the Thessalonians, you can say, one day we're going to meet them. We're going to see who these guys are. And we already know that um, Paul has commended them Um, definitely believers in Christ, uh, faith, hope, and love. And I think it's exciting to think that uh, these guys are real. It's not just a little Bible story, but it's something that's real that we know that uh, somewhere throughout eternity we're going to meet these guys and know who they are. And I think that's pretty exciting. And uh, as we look at it here, we get to get into a little bit of uh, uh, the heart of who they were, what they're about. And you know, the... The goal that Paul has here is to meet the need of these Thessalonian believers. Uh, they've been discomforted. They've uh, been a little bit anxious, maybe really concerned, uh, <clears throat> concerned about whether or not uh, they are secure in their future. Or what about the ones who already died, the ones who were Christians? And what about the coming of Christ, the day of the Lord? They got all those confused. So Paul wants to answer them, and so he gets his pen out or, um, to write this down, in yeah, <laughs> and, and, and chapter 4, verse 18, we really get the reason why he, uh, he wrote, therefore comfort one another with these words. He's just talked about the second coming of Christ uh, and the return of Christ uh, for the church. And then in chapter 5, he talked about the day of the Lord that is concern, concerning people that are not believers. So he, I think he sets that forth very well. Okay, here is Christ coming for believers. He tells kind of how that's going to happen and what's, what that really means. And it's something we look forward to. But he says the day of the Lord is not something that people will look forward to. That would be the unbelievers. And so he makes that really clear. In, in chapter 5, verse 11... Uh, therefore, encourage one another. Build up one another just as you also are doing. So he says keep encouraging each other. And remember the times that they're living in. They really needed it because the uh, persecution is happening heavily. And so he's addressing the security of the future of the believer. We we know full well that uh, we who are in Christ, we are secure for eternity. We're secure for at the time that He comes back they want for sure you know well, this day of the Lord the wrath that's going to be coming and uh, what about you know uh, Christ has he already come so you have the rapture of the Lord you have um, that one thing we're going to emphasize tonight are contrast the extreme contrast between uh, believers and unbelievers and he's kind of already shown that remember in chapter four you have what the rapture chapter five day of the Lord. He continues on with that thought now as we will see salvation and wrath, we'll see life and death, we'll see blessing and cursing, we'll see hope and no hope, we'll see darkness, we'll see light, we'll see night, we'll see day, we'll see uh, asleep and awake, we'll see drunk, we'll see sober. That's kind of the thoughts that are here. And so he delineates... And that's why it's really important to know the difference between the rapture and the day of the Lord because that's been all set up. And he goes through this chapter. He continues on with that thought of the the, the contrast. Uh, there are really only two kinds of people in the world. Believer, unbeliever. That's what it really comes down to. So um, there are night people and there are day people. Now when I say that, I've got to make that clear because I've been one who stays up pretty late at Night. night. <laughs> I don't get up real early of a morning, like 4 o'clock in the morning, like some do. 5 o'clock, that's, uh, that's pretty rare for me. Uh, but at any rate, if one does that, I'm not going to say you're sinning or anything. I'm just wondering, why would you do that? <laughs> just kidding. Um, so we've got, we've got these contrasts, they're unfolding here. Uh, There's a complete division between believers and unbelievers. And Paul has already stressed that. That's, That's why a lot of people will take the day of the Lord and combine it with the time that Christ comes back for the church. The rapture. And those are two different things for two different people. So, if one is anxious, they're worried, they're discomforted, all you have to do is look at the text... These Thessalonians are really worried. Look at the text that he's writing in this letter, and their fears will be calmed. And I've got a feeling they go, Whoosh. "Boy, I'm glad to hear that." You know, I, I think he makes it very clear to them. So, um, vi- verses five through eleven is really for the believers in the sense that we don't have to fear about our future. We are secure in it. We know what's going to happen. I like that thought. We don't know much about the future. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but we do know for one thing for sure, when Christ comes back, there are a lot of things that are going to happen, and we already have a pretty good idea what it's going to be. So uh, we have to like that. Let's, uh, Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank You. Thank You for who You are. Thank You for making it very clear to us as believers that we are secure in You and Your plan and we can take a mental note of that and keep it in our minds because no matter what goes on around us, what people are saying, whether it be about now or in the future, we know full well that uh, you have laid out a plan. We thank you for that and help us as we uh, identify with these Thessalonians and what Paul's writing to them. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. Hey, turn to Second Corinthians chapter six, verse fourteen. 2 Corinthians six, fourteen. And you get a really a a good preview of what our Thessalonians passage is on this. This is where he says, "Do not be bound together or unequally yoked, right? With unbelievers, for what partnership have? Look at this: righteousness and lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness, or what harmony has Christ with Belial, or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever?" For what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, just as God said. I will dwell and walk with them. I'll be their God. They should be my people. It says, Then come out of the, their midst. Be separate. Do not touch what is unclean." So you see the difference there, right? I mean, isn't that an incredible contrast? It's like night and day. That's why I titled it that. Anyway... Uh, Verse 5 is coming right off the heels now after we've talked about the day of the Lord. By the way, if you guys um, want, if, if we want to and we don't have to go there, but uh, we're not too far from ending First Thessalonians, somebody asked if we could go to Second Thessalonians. and um, If you guys have any other ideas, we could take a break or go into something else or we could just go right on into that. It's a lot more dealing with um, future things and 2 Thessalonians even more than 1 Thessalonians. Um, All of those uh, little small chapters, but they have a lot to to say about that. Anyway, um, just just a thought. Uh, As we get into verse 5, after he's talked about labor pains, and of course, then the thief, for you are all sons of light and sons of day. Uh, as he says in verse 5 then sons of light and sons of day same thing and then he contrasts it with we are not of night nor of darkness so you have sons of light and we're called sons of light how many times have you called anybody like that in the last year a fellow Christian I haven't called anybody a son of light but it's not a bad idea Paul does here Uh, there's really a reason there's a Hebrew idiom here even though this is written in in Greek, and it's a Greek concept. It's a Hebrew idiom. Um, And really, when you think of a son, and you think of a father, the son hopefully will be, if if his father is godly, the son will be like his father, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, The idea is they're they're so tied with that family. Um, Tied with that family that, that the influence rubs off from the father or the mother, right? This is a a son. Uh, It dominates his character. So that's the idea uh, of a a son, a a son of light. We're thinking what influences his character, what influences his nature. Um, We're sons of light, meaning that the dominant influence is the light of God. Uh, God is light. So the influence, it characterizes our whole nature, our whole being. So when you're a son of somebody, that's what they identified. So often uh, you would have Bar Jonah, son of Jonah, or Bar uh, Barnabas, right? Son of encouragement. So you'll see that a lot. Um, Bar, it's son. You know, he's related to them. He's influenced by that. So that's the idea: the son of sons of light, sons of day. We are related. Our character influences us. We're dominated by that idea that our Father is light and we too are sons of light. That's what our influence is. That's what our nature, our character is. So that's that's the thought there. So when you think of light in Scripture, you think of a couple of different things. It's all over the place. But for one thing, you think of the mental side of it where you have knowledge. You have light light uh, on something you 've been enlightened right you've had some knowledge on on a particular subject or thought, so it deals with truth that 's the mental side of it, but then there 's also the moral side of it, and boy, we can see that can 't we that 's light and darkness uh, you know the the moral side if we live right, then we 're reflecting uh, this light that uh, God has given us. Um, turn to Matthew five. Sons of light. That's what we are. Sons of light. We hear so often the unbelievers use the word sun in a different way. <laughs> and um, totally different here, isn't it? This is the opposite side. Sermon on the Mount after Jesus gives the blessed ours. Blessed ours, right? He says you're the salt of the earth. And then in verse 14, you are the light of the world. Where are the flashlights? A city city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand and gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That they see your works that they would come to Christ. right? Glorify God. That is incredible thought. See, I
1: see that and I think Wow, how nice it would be if people today would glorify God the Father for seeing the light that's in us. When what I see is they just get mad. <laughs> they just, they like they yes. self-righteous, you know, just say all kind of hateful things. It's almost like that's what I would like to hear. <laughs> this is what I would like to hear. Is yeah. say, oh, exactly, wow, God the Father is great.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. Well, and the reason why they react. Mm-hmm. I mean, they hate the light, mm-hmm. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. So it's like, we're divided. It like, you know, kind of just coincides. Yeah, but, but, but yeah I, I wish that
0: too. And it is, sometimes it it, is, it, it, it will happening. happen.
2: Yeah. It is happening even if you don't hear it from the ones yeah. that are more boisterous towards it. Right. There's also others that are, that are watching mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So Avell,
0: who brought, who brought you the Gospel?
1: Uh... Well, God first, and then my friend Sebastian. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: And, well, but did, how many times did Sebastian tell you and bring it to you? Or was that the time when the Lord had it all set up?
1: Yeah, the Lord had it all set up. Um, Sebastian uh, took me to like uh, youth events, I guess, when he had them, when I was with him. But there wasn't really much discussion. He just, One day he just gave me a Bible and told me to read it, and <laughs> I did But did you
0: see something different in him, kind of like what this is saying here? Was it something that he had that you were after, or what? Not in him, no. Okay.
1: There was—it wasn't anything in him. It was um, in Ashton, yes. Ashton was different.
0: Um, So there's light there. Yeah. You saw that light.
1: Not that there was anything wrong with Sebastian. Right.
0: I <laughs> understand. It was
2: light, but you didn't right. know what to do with it at the time yeah. until the word was brought to you. But that so. light was there, and once you become a believer, all of a sudden you look around in your life and you wonder why were those people doing things? Was mm-hmm. that light that yeah, you was, were seeing in them? Because
1: yeah. I, mean, I was confused, that why Sebastian yeah. was listening to yeah. Christian music and, yeah. you know.
0: So you could, you, and you could see some good uh, thinking, some good works in your wife, or or mm-hmm. something, and then that that makes you say, "There's got to be something to that." Although the Lord is going to save you, He's still going to use people to at least you look at and, and you mm-hmm. see. Might study for a while. Some yeah. may study for a long time. We may not ever know the results, and who who knows down the road? But yeah, don't give up. If 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 they, if they see what we are talking about. And even though they question it or hate it at the time, it's always good to know go that my God could turn them around. Right. I know. go
2: through my siblings like that. Yeah, they make fun of you and everything else like that. But Scripture talks about a man with a good reputation. Right. And so that's even past, years past, that all of a sudden, whatever happens to them, that good reputation is that
1: light. Right.
0: Let's go to First John 1. Speaking of uh, us being light of course, God is light. And by the way, uh, somebody told me before, and I think it's a pretty good pretty good definition. It's hard to define God and put a definition on Him. You know, what is God? Or who is God? Well, He's light. He's light. You start thinking about the, the mental aspect on that. That's truth. The moral aspect, where He's absolutely holy. And you see so much, the brightest light that you can make. We can't even stand it, can we? But He is light. So it says, First 1 John 1, 1.5, This is the message we have heard from Him and announced to you that God is light. What is He? He is light. Oh, that one right there. And in Him there is no darkness at all. Now there's the contrast right there, right? He is light. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie, do not practice truth. But if we walk in the light as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. So there's light, there's darkness. God is light. If you are a son of light, that means you are influenced by Him in that you would... um, have fellowship with Him, and you, and you practice the truth. Uh, of course, vice versa, if one does not, even though they might say they have fellowship with Him, but they don't practice the truth, then they're showing that they're really not sons of light. So, on, on that aspect, look at Luke 16.8. There's so much about light in the Bible, it's incredible. That That's who God is. That's what He is. He is light. Uh, Luke 16.8. This is dealing with sons here. And his master praised the unrighteous manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the sons of this age are more shrewd in relation to their own kind than the sons of light. There again, there's sons and there's light. Sons of light are Christians. Who's more shrewd? Sometimes the worldly people are. Uh, And he says, sons of what are they? Sons of what? Of this age. This kind of world thinking. Is that
1: a positive or a negative word? W- which one? Commended. The, uh, one says, com- says master, uh, the master commended the right. dishonest manager. Right. Uh, he gave him praise. praise. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: because they, for whatever they do, even though it's it's wrong motives and everything, they put. There are some that put full effort into things, where sometimes Christians are—they're—they're kind of gullible sometimes, and sometimes they don't put full effort into it. But you know, uh, like rich men who are not believers, man, they have all sorts of plans and maybe not even—you know—schemes. But it could be, you know, still good things. But we know their heart is not right Right. because they're—they're putting this together. But he actually commends. Them there in that sense. They're more shrewd than Christians are. So, yeah. But we're sons of light. They're the sons of this age. And so they'll use the wisdom of this age, of this time that we live in, of this present, the worldly aspect of it. Yeah. John chapter 1, verse 4. We're just doing light a little bit, sons of light and such, right? Uh, John one four of course John one just starts right off dealing with light. Uh verse, verse four says, In him, Christ, was life. And the life was the light of men, were sons of light. The light shines in the darkness, and darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light. Boy, John uses light. Phos or phos. Phos, we'll put it that way. Phos, photo. Light, right? That's what uh, photo means, light. Um, Christ is light. God is light. Light. All throughout there, they all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. John the Baptist was not the light, but he testified about the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. So enlightens him about uh, knowledge, truth, and also the moral aspect. About living it out. So John really uses phos there. He also uses world, uh, world being the cosmos. Uh, those are Greek terms. That is what the religion uh, of the day, the religions would, would look at. That was a Greek concept, a Roman concept. John's writing to the Gentile realm. And so in the beginning was the logos. So he speaks about the Word. He speaks about the world. He speaks about light. Andre, how you doing? Glad to see you. <laughs> Glad you made it. You just came in. you got a question immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mean for me to go back and s- explain everything I just talked about? <laughs> what
2: you talk about? FOS, P-H-O-S, I assume. Right. Light. Is that also in Form 5? The reason I am yeah. in it in Form 5, light is not capitalized, but in, in the rest of them, light
1: is capitalized.
2: So okay.
0: I just wondered if that's different. And the, in Greek, those letters wouldn't necessarily be um, my translation does have capital letters on it. So that's an interesting thing, but that's why you refer to the original text. It still means the same thing. And yeah, that's that's definitely false.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yours are not capitalized. Hers are not. Uh, what about you guys? Yeah. Holman Christian Standard?
1: Capitalized I
0: don't have that one. Okay. So, you know, kind of interesting. Some translations have it. They don't have to, you know, uh, but sometimes to make it more clear like an NAS would pick up on that because we know who it is it's dealing with Christ But um, oh we have to look at John 8.12 and we're, we're just touching on just a few verses dealing with light since God is light but we'll we'll be moving on at 8.12 then Jesus again spoke to them saying I am or that's Yahweh really that's his relationship to us the light of the world. The light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. John already spoke about life and light, doesn't he? Uh, life would be dealing with the word eternal. That, that's the quantity. Uh, that kind of life. Life, light, world. Um, and of course, word. So these concepts that the world would know—that's why the Book of John is written to your your Gentile realm. They would understand these words, uh, whether it be the, the science of it, whether it be the, um, um, of course, the wisdom of the age. Use these so often, so he he gets on a level that they understand. Still, at the same time, it definitely makes sense to us, doesn't it? So John uses it in the Gospel of John and you'll see it all throughout uh, in 1 John, right there in the first chapter we, we talked about that. Chapter 12, verse 36 of John. While you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become, ah, here it is again, sons of light. Paul already spoke about sons of light. We've seen that before. Here it is. If you believe in the light, what are you going to be called? Sons of light. Or dominated by the light, influenced by the light. We are the light of the world because He is light. Simple stuff, but I think it's very profound, isn't it? John uh, just hits on that. So what's, what's Paul saying here if uh, dealing with sons of light and Thessalonians? Well, his readers weren't in the dark. They weren't in the dark. They had been taught the Gospel by Paul. They had come to light. But Paul meant more than this. The Thessalonians have a new spiritual position. And it's a whole new realm. They have life. Life and light go together, don't they? That's the way John does. He puts them there. It was, they have a sphere of life that they are not in darkness. We sit here as Christians. We're not sitting in the dark at all. I'm talking about spiritually. We know this stuff. We're, we're, this is not hard to understand, is it? In another way, it's probably very profound. But I mean, we know what light means. And... So we're in the light. Uh, Colossians one thirteen says we were transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the sun, the light. Another thing is instructed Christians will not be surprised by the coming of Christ. Because we, we might even say, yeah, where you been? I've been looking for you. We're not going to be surprised, are we? And that's what Paul is telling them. You're not going to be surprised when he comes back. So you can see whenever he gave that little expose on the rapture, it's not just something, you know, just giving out bits and pieces here. This is all in context, isn't it? And so he says, You're not in the darkness. You're in the light on this. Remember, I, I told you about this, Paul's saying. Um, you know, you're, you're in Christ. Uh, you are to live differently than this generation. Um, we're not in darkness. We have truth. We're not night people, are we? We're people of the day. We're sons of light. So we go back to our Thessalonians passage. But you brethren, as he's told them in verse 4, you're not in darkness. So in verse 5 he says, for you are sons of light, sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness. So we take the contrast. What do we have? We just dealt with day or light. Now we get into night and and darkness. And Nondor, you quoted a Scripture right out of John 3 earlier. 3, 19 and 20. That's exactly what you were saying. And let's turn there. Because that's a great thought. Because there is the, uh, the, the new birth in John 3. Nicodemus. Jesus explains what that is. And He says in 19, this is the judgment that the light there's there's light again by John has come into the world and men what loved the darkness they love it rather than the light for their deeds were evil for everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed, that means they want to keep on doing what they want to do. That is why somebody would say they don't believe in God, because they they know they know that it's wrong. There's enough light there, and they hate it. They don't want to change. They're not convicted by it, so therefore they go right back into to, to darkness. They get away from the light. Exactly. They cover it up. They, uh, as in Romans, it, you know, it's like putting a way back into the recesses of the mind, ears, try to dismiss the fact that He's there. Put
1: the fingers in the ears and try not to do it. Lessons right. work should be exposed. Right, right? there. Exposed. Sure they exposed
0: mm-hmm. yeah. what, what they all do. And they know that, so they don't want that that to be shown. And that's why they do not like Christians whenever Christians start telling real truths unless God is drawing them. And then all of a sudden, they're convicted of... Of righteousness. They're convicted of sin. They're convicted about judgment to come. And then they turn to Christ because of God's work in them. So they're either going to run or they're going to be drawn to that. And that's where Jesus' invitation is to those people come. You know, come to Jesus. All those who come to Jesus, He will not cast out. That doesn't blow away Calvinism, does it? It shows that. In, in, in course in that same context it says God is the one who draws them to Him, but still yet they're held responsible for their sin and so an invitation goes out to everyone and that's what we do as sons of light we go out and give the light but if you bring out too much light what's going to happen they're going to hate what you're saying I hate to say that how often that can happen but don't give up. Who knows what can happen with that. Ephesians 4.17 So that explains what's going on when we do give the Gospel. Why people just don't... Oh, that's the greatest thing I've heard. If you give a cheap Gospel, and we don't talk about sin and judgment and talk about all nice fluffy things, then they can add Jesus to their life. Keep on doing what they're doing and just have Him and say, Well, I believe in Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And they, nothing changes. There's no cost there. That's an easy believism.
1: And then those people turn around and they're like, i tried that once. <laughs> yeah. i tried that. And guess where it got me? Nowhere. Right. That sounds familiar. I kept saying he didn't stop me. Right. <laughs> he could have stopped. <laughs> Who preached to you, sir? <laughs> <laughs> you obviously haven't been reading your words. <laughs>
0: Uh, Ephesians 4.17, what do we have? So this I say, and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart, and they have become callous have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. Boy, does that explain a lot right there? Yep. Ephesians 2, 1-3, through 3, familiar with that one. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. What are we? Sons of light? What are they? Sons of disobedience among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. Sons of disobedience, right? They're called, even as the rest. So they're identified with the wrath of God. If they continue in that mode, they will get the wrath of God the day of the Lord, right? But we as believers will not have the wrath or the day of the Lord. We will have the rapture but he's been on the tail of here. Luke 22.53. Sometimes I put so many scriptures down that doesn't allow me to advance further here, us to advance further, I keep hitting on it, but there's so many good ones you just keep on going on and on if you wanted to. Like a Bible test. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 Who can get that
1: first?
0: 22.15. Yeah. Uh, this is dealing with Judas at the end and while I was with you daily in the temple you did not lay hands on me but this hour and the power of darkness are yours here come the people that are um, are arresting him and of course Judas is showing them you know he's betraying the son of man with a kiss but he's telling the, the people there hey I was in the, in the temple every day you didn't lay a hand on me then but here it is and it was literally dark Right? The dark uh, of, of the night there, of the early morning hours. and But it's representing where they were at spiritually. They came in the dark where nobody could see them as they did what they did, which was absolutely illegal in everything that they did. The whole arrest. Huh? So
1: that's why they had the Romans too.
0: Yeah. Um... Of course, Ephesians 6.12, you have the, the, the powers of darkness, right? You have the mnemonic the, the warfare, satanic warfare. Um, the, it's the domain of the lost, the domain of darkness, uh, ignorant sin, wickedness, rebellion, fallen sinful nature. The day of the Lord is darkness. Look at Amos 5.20. Since we talked about the day of the Lord, we turn to Amos back in the prophets... Amos 5, verse 20. Will not the day of the Lord be darkness instead of light, even gloom with no brightness in it? We didn't see anything positive about the day of the Lord, did we? It's not a good thing. But it's another good thing because that's what God is going to have to do to judge. But the day of the Lord is going to be darkness. It's gloom. There's no brightness in it. And there's the dark world again. And so, ultimately, we, we will see that um, what he's saying here, the day of the Lord is darkness. So what, what about darkness? What about night? Well, it's one thing, it's about it's ignorance, not knowing, right? Where light is knowing, knowing truth, uh, understanding. It's like a blindness, you get it so dark and so black you can't even see. And so you have blindness versus sight. And then you have wickedness. There's the immorality of it all, versus righteous righteousness.
1: So in the, in the day of the war, people will still be doing. Uh, they'll still be doing wicked things.
0: Absolutely. what did what? Yeah, like what did he say? It'll be like in the days of Noah. Noah. Right. And
1: people. What, what I'm getting here is like, okay, so God's gonna blot out the sun. He's gonna let the sun be darkened, and the stars are gonna shine. All this stuff is going to be happening and people are still going to be like The Purge. Have you seen The Purge? There's just going to be Uh, rioting and just all over the place. And just, you think, uh, you know, people were so eager for the eclipse that, you know, they stopped doing almost everything to just witness the eclipse. And we're going to have something like that but permanent. And they're going to continue doing wicked things. That is just like, that's crazy.
0: And at the very moment that he comes back, they're they're wanting the the, the rocks to you know they're in you know the rocks to come down and and, yeah I mean they don't they 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 have everything brought to them and when you have the millennial kingdom you will have more light at that time than we have now. In the millennial kingdom, you will have Jesus Christ living on Earth, being the King. You're talking about full revelation. Mm. That's why I believe in a millennial kingdom because God has given revelation. He's given more and more about Him all the way through the Old Testament, and then ultimately it's through Jesus Christ. So here we have the Church today, and we have evidence of the you know belief uh, 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 of Christ his resurrection. The more. Revelation of Christ today than there was in the Old Testament, right? right? Because of Christ. One more step. Millennial kingdom, Christ rules and reigns from a spot here on earth, and he will have Christians like us in their glorified bodies doing whatever they do. Mm. And so there's peace during that time, and as soon as there is a rebellion, he just like he puts it out right there with a rod of iron. Mm. And even at that, there will be people who will disbelieve. Because there will be sons and daughters of the ones who go into the kingdom as believers, some of their sons and daughters, or sons and daughters of theirs, will not be believers, even with the fact that they have the most revelation that mankind has ever had. Can you believe that? And they will turn on Christ at the very end of the millennial kingdom. Now that is full revelation. That is a total apostasy. Hard to believe, but yes, it will happen. So we get uh, that contrast there sons of light, sons of day, night, darkness, right? Uh, verse 6 So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober, for those who sleep do their sleeping at night. So what's our contrast now? Being awake or alert versus being asleep. Are these really hard? <laughs> For an unbeliever, they are. To us, yeah, it's, it's only natural. You're one or the other. You're either light or you're darkness. You're either awake or you are asleep. Um, since we're not of night or of darkness, let us not be asleep spiritually. We could be Christians, be asleep spiritually, right? But that's why all throughout Scripture he says, be alert, be watchful, right? By the way, you know what the word for watchful or alert is? Gregorio. You know anybody by the name of Greg or Gregory? That's what it is to be alert. To be watchful. So next time you see a Greg, you say, Hey, you are watchful, aren't Here's you? That's fast
1: one. <laughs> be alert. Be watchful.
0: Just whenever it looks like they're really sleeping, you know, said, Hey! Be alert. That's your name. Be awake. That's the idea. First Peter 1 13. Names mean something, don't they? First Peter 1.13 Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit, fix your hope completely on the grace, to be brought into you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Prepare your minds. Or how about how many times have you seen gird your loins? Right? Gird the loins of your mind. Prepare your minds for action. Be ready. Right? Be alert. Be watchful. Um, Mark 13, 33-37. Take heed. There we go. Keep on the alert, Gregorio, for you do not know when the appointed time will come. It's like a man way on a journey, and upon leaving his house, putting his slaves in charge, assigning to each one his task, also commanded the doorkeeper to stay on the alert, Therefore, be on the alert. For you do not know when the master of the house is coming, whether in the evening at midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning, in case he should come suddenly and find you asleep. What I say to you, I say to you all, be on the alert. Boy, I think uh, he made a really... something that was very clear. This is an exhortation to be watchful. Be on the alert. Christians, be on the alert. But... Unbelievers cannot be alert. They can't be watchful to spiritual things because it's not in them. So the alert people are Christians. They are day people. We're day people. Well, how about the people of the night? Well, they're sleepful. <laughs> um, the word is cathudo. Been up all
2: night. Mm.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Real quick. Uh, yeah, right here. What are,
2: what's the difference?
0: Okay, there, of course, we know the day of the Lord is, and speaking of, of course, could be years, a time, right, epic, a a period, yeah, exactly. And that right there would be, uh, although light is coming, you know, to to judge, that day of the Lord would not be related to the, of course, what did you say, the sons of light or, or day people and such? Right, yeah. Because we're not associated in the sense of the day of the Lord, in that we're waiting for the day of the Lord to come. Yeah, we're, we're waiting for the day of Christ or, um, the you know His rapture, His taking us to be with Him.
2: So, is it Yom or?
0: Now that'd be a Hebrew word, day. Okay. Yeah. Um, although in in the. Thessalonian passage there Mick I think now I I know what you're getting at you're talking about the Greek word is there any difference between that you know I think it's the same word in the Greek and I have to be careful with that because I don't know for sure but um, it's speaking of a a time period or in this sense we're we're thinking of day as as, uh, the difference between night and uh, light yeah like daylight right right and so there it's it's bringing in the the day people are the people of the light um they're watchful, they're alert um you know keeping in that same realm there. So in that sense they're not it's not really related there. Yeah, that's a good question because again we'll, we'll get one here in a moment that would uh cause one to wonder okay what's going on here because in verse we've been talking about sleeping in verse 7, right? For those who sleep do they're sleeping at night? And in First Thessalonians four, uh, those who are asleep sh- shall rise first. There's a different asleep. That that's their bodies are asleep. Their bodies are in the grave, or corrupted, or whatever. That's sleeping there. That's a different meaning, even though it's using that same thought. But now, when you read the context, yeah, you can interpret that. But that you know. Um, whether we are awake or asleep. There again, he's talking about whether we're dead or alive, body-wise, we'll live together with him. But this time, he's talking about a sleep, a slumbering of the people who are not awake. They're not in the light. They're in the darkness. And so he uses that analogy.
1: Do all dead people come back? Or just the ones who are in Christ? Right.
0: the ones who are in Christ, and of course they will go into the millennial kingdom. Right. And then there will be a thousand years, and after that, then the ones who were were dead and were not believers, mm-hmm. because all the believers have been resurrected. Uh-huh. And 1 Thessalonians and 1 Corinthians 15 would relate to that. Okay. Then it says in Revelation, there is what is called the second death. Mm-hmm. These people will be raised up, and they will then be there... Before the judge mm-hmm. and of course they're not there by the grace of God Right. They're and they're, they will be judged in that sense and then off into the la- you know the lake of fire we think the the eternal judgment fiery judgment so, okay. where they will live forever although it's that's considered a second death in the right. sense that they no longer will have you know
1: they so those who are in hell now presence of God rise up. On Earth
0: again. Now say it again. Those
1: who are in hell now. Yeah, they'll come back into their earthly bodies, and then they'll.
0: Yeah, and they will get a resurrection body you know it's talking about this you know there's a second resurrection you know or th- that second death is not Christians right, we will never we only ha- our di- our bodies die once right uh, spiritually we're already born again we will uh, we will not ever even die right our our spirits are immortal our bodies are mortal though right, yeah. right. sleep <laughs> he, had to, he had to be. I often thought about that. Hey, Lord, thanks for using me as an illustration, but really, you know, I've got to die again. That was a unique case. Right. Of course, it doesn't say in there that he died again, but I would assume that he did.
2: Maybe just got taken
0: out. Well, he could have. Could have done an Enik you know. <laughs> Lord, I'm going to walk with you so much, you're just going to take me right on out of here. If he
2: I would have it would have been noted. I mean, they're yeah. absolutely. Catholic Church uses the fact that it never says when Mary died, right? It never says when Joseph died. So they just made so therefore
0: them. they just God just took them and they never died, right? That's what they said. Because the story, a lot of people the story was all about them, died, right?
2: But, yeah, because the story was always about them. <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't yeah. Yeah. Quite, I mean, They were the subject of the
1: story. Somebody brought
2: that up once, and I said, you know, if she really didn't die, I think it would have been noted, just like yeah. Enoch
1: and. Because mm-hmm. that seemed to be like a very privileged. It wasn't something that you could just say, "Oh, you know, God took me before." I
0: it was something totally out of the ordinary. It was supernatural because it's not something that happens every day or every year or every hundred years. It was absolutely supernatural. God just did it.
1: And Enoch just walked, he, right?
0: He right. Just, walked just like he walked with God, God just took him He said, "You're coming him. on with me." And then, of course, there was Elijah was taken up, taken up in a whirlwind. He didn't die either. So that's two cases where we we have that case. There was something strange about Moses, about Mm. his body and such. uh, At any rate, by the way, the two witnesses I believe happen to be, though, Moses and Elijah Mm. in uh, Revelation.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, So, Those who
1: were given the authority to speak. Because I just, I'm in Revelation now. But they were the ones given the authority for the, um, it says that two witnesses will come and they'll speak anyone who tries to oppose them, the, the two witnesses will be able to strike them down with any plague for as long as they want. The
0: power to had. And by the way, they had the same powers that the Old Testament guys had. And that's why you name. see... Exactly. And who did that? Of course, you think of Elijah right. and that. Uh, and he represented the prophets. And what did Moses represent? The law. the law. The law and the prophets. What does that represent? It's the whole body of the Word of God so for the Old Testament. That's
1: not, that's not like a metaphor for the church. Because I, I heard somebody say that that could be like a metaphor for the church representing the two people. You know what I mean? Like the, the church will stand, and then anyone who opposes the church will... But we
0: know that that can't happen because most of the church during that time, uh, most of the believers that come to Christ during that time are going to be persecuted. Right. And uh, But these two will, will die too. Yeah, uh, there will be a certain time, but they're, then they're taken on up, right. <laughs> miraculously. Right. They will. Uh, there's a resurrection right there. Everybody will see them. It says. And
2: make fun of
0: them. Satellite. their the there wrong. So we're, we're tying uh, we're tying in future things, eschatology right in along with it, which is it goes along with this. This is where we've been. We've been in the resurrection of the saints and then we've been for the day of the Lord and he just like night and day everything else those are two differences there and all the way on through so what's this cathudo this sleep for the unbeliever it's a state of spiritual insensitivity Um, cathudo is a synonym for spiritual lethargy you know just uh, they have they have no spiritual spiritual views really they're they're spiritually dead but the ones who are of the light are spiritually alive. They're in tune. They're awake, and uh, so we don't want to be like the unbelievers and and well, sleeping. Pilgrim's Progress. Mm. You remember the yeah. yeah, where you have some indiv- uh, uh, an individual where he's go- uh, two of them, I think, were sleeping. Remember that, Mick? Uh, do you remember their names?
2: Sloth. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, that's good right there to th- be thinking on. Sloth is really good. You could be sleeping by being sloth, lazy, right?
2: Before the yeah. it was probably lazy. Yeah. So it was
0: at the bottom of the hill.
2: Right.
1: Right after Calvary.
0: It would have been so easy just to kind of just lay back and just take it, you know. And even even uh, pilgrim could have been tempted to do that. He
1: was at waypoint before <laughs> <laughs> he lost his letter. He yeah, yeah. For a but he day. needed
0: to stay awake. And, and Christians have to be reminded of that because we would look, start to look like the unbelievers who are just totally asleep, right? But so good. Indifferent. Uh, <laughs> they can't see truth. They can't see judgment. They don't want to hear about it. There's no such thing. They're absolutely turned out. I have to think of Romans 13.11. Man, you know, time we have just flies by. You ever notice that? We're at the end already. And I haven't even come close to the end, but here we go. Romans 13.11. Do this knowing the time that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. Right now, (laughs) at any time. Waken from sleep. For now, salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. He's not talking about salvation as far as being saved or converted, but He's talking about the salvation at the end. Salvation from judgment. It's talking about there's three tenses to salvation, right? Mm-hmm. I have been saved. I am being saved. Sanctification. Mm-hmm. And then glorification, I will be saved. Mm-hmm. If you're a Christian, that will happen. Right. As far as God is concerned, it's already happened. Because mm-hmm. He's eternal. Right. Uh, don't let your mind try to think about that one. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, 12. The night is almost gone and the day is near. That means this time period, this the, the judgment is, is going to come. And this was written back in the first century. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. You think Paul likes to use that analogy? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So he's and so here's darkness 13 let us behave properly as in the day not in carousing here's darkness carousing drunkenness sexual promiscuity sensuality strife jealousy he says put on the lord jesus you make sure that you are of the day you behave like you're in the daytime
2: don't respond to yeah. the world
0: mm-hmm. right really right easy. night people night people Bob Seger have an album called that, something like it. Night Moves. Night Moves. Okay, <laughs> you're right. You're you're good, man. I mean, you know that? I mean, it's like you're born like 40 years after I was born, and there are you know these songs. I can't even just stomp you, man. <laughs> That's a quick Google. Those
2: three, uh, three guys at the
0: bottom of the hill of Calvary. Oh. No, it's three.
2: Simple.
0: Simple. Ooh, does that tell it there? And I think these guys were professing believers, but I'm not so sure that they were believers. They could be, but... Alright, we'll we'll fly through these these last ones. Are you ready? Um, And they're right on the heels of all of this. Okay, we're talking about sleeping versus being awake. How about the drunk versus the sober, right? He says, "Be sober." Verse six, and then verse seven. Those who sleep do their sleeping at night. Those who get drunk get drunk at night. Um, sober is dealing with being under control, being self controlled being balanced. Uh, be not fill, uh, be not filled with wine. Be not drunk, but be filled with the Spirit. Right? Sober is like a, a figurative term. Uh, same idea. Different synonym that we've been talking about. It's a, it's a spiritual sobriety. Spiritually sober. Under the Spirit's control. Ephesians 5.18. Right. Letting Him control rather than of wine, of, of drink, strong drink.
1: This one here, Proverbs 20. Wine is a mocker, mm. strong drink a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise.
0: Boy, there's a great verse for right there. That's right. incredible thought there. That's just for everyday living right there. Even uh, the worldly people ought to be able to see that. I mean it's just a principle. But that principle is stronger than what maybe people would know. He says, hey, that uh, can lead one to destruction. And it sure does. Have we ever seen it? Oh, everyone here knows the effects. But people want to cover that one up too, don't they? Then we get into that triad. Since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of what? Faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. We've covered this many times. In chapter 1, in verse 3, he talked about the same triad. Faith, hope, love. 1 Corinthians 13. These three remain. Of course, the one greatest is is love. But faith, love, hope. Uh, We're to live soberly, put on the breastplate, Definitely a metaphor of a soldier. Uh, He back in those days, you have a breastplate. It would it would cover the soldier from the neck to the waist. That would be to protect those vital organs, right? We think of Ephesians 6, the breastplate of righteousness, right? So you know, faith, breastplate of faith. Here he says, and it's in faith in God. There's our inward thought there. Protect our faith that we have in God and also love. Well, where's our love go to? Well, not only God, but our love goes to people. The two commands really are love God, love people, love your neighbor. So, and that would be outwardly, wouldn't it? You know, in the sense that whatever we have inwardly, outwardly, these two graces cannot be separated. Um, So, uh, we think of faith and and love. They equip Christians to to stand ready. Uh, I think 59.17 of Isaiah. Isaiah 59.17. He put on righteousness like a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on His head. And he put on garments of vengeance for clothing, and wrapped himself with a zeal as a mantle. There's protection, yeah, the righteousness.
1: Christ,
0: right? uh, ultimately, I, I guess you could you could say this is uh, you know kind of a prophecy of of the, of the Messiah there. So and so
1: he uh, himself with the zeal as a What is zeal? Uh, zealous. zealous. <laughs> Zealousness.
0: Boldness. Yeah. Zealous? yeah. Mm. You ever heard that group called the Zealots? <laughs> You ever heard I them? I
1: think I've heard of them. I don't know if I've heard them. Yeah, you've heard them. Have I? Yep. They're sitting right behind you. Would
0: you would you say that Zeal would probably be pretty good there? Totally
1: threw me off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> In a good sense, there's a good word for that. Did you
1: send me that? Is that what the name of the band that you guys sent me? <laughs> There's two different kinds of
0: zealots. So. Yeah, you, then you could take z- 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 zeal, that would so be opposite. Her. Zeal
1: <clears throat> zealous, for Christ. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: zealous for Christ. yep
1: is for Christ. So
2: that's a word that I... Did. Because there was a Jewish sect
1: okay. in the Zealots. New Testament yeah. <laughs> a Testamental
2: period, that wanted to overthrow the Roman oh. government. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were uh, rebellious. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, most radicals. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Paul would have um, said that he was zealous to get rid of the Christians. Yeah. He did anything he could to destroy what he thought was wrong. His zealous right. was for the wrong.
1: Mm-hmm. Was for the wrong. It's
2: thing. a fire. Yeah. yeah. More yeah. Than anything. It's a, a, blinding, it's a fervency. Yeah. Um, a and a desire. desire. Mm-hmm. that can
0: be a good thing. Jesus was zealous for the house of God.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right. For
0: yeah. His people. yeah. And that's the way that we want to be. We want that kind of zeal. Yeah. On fire for Christ. That's what we want. Right? Um, so, you know, faith, it's a defense against temptation. Um, matter of fact, whenever we are being tempted and we go along with that temptation, you know what we're doing? We're really testing God's credibility. Yes, God, I believe in You. I have faith in You. But You're not fulfilling my satisfaction on this particular element, so I'm going to go ahead and do what I want to do here. Therefore, now we don't have faith. I mean, we, we have, you know, for believers, we have faith, but we're not trusting Him in that area. We think we can do it better. We, we can't wait. We're not patient. So, anyway, that's an idea on faith. Um, helmet of the hope of salvation, it guards their head from a, a, attack on their thinking. The hope of salvation, whether it be, you know, the, the future salvation, what have you, deliverance from the wrath to come. We have this helmet on and we will be delivering that. It's a sure hope, isn't it? So anyway, that's that's that. A, a dr- a drunk, if you want to see the depth of insensitivity uh, of an ungenerate person, just uh, see a, a drunk person. You know, And, and you see that they, they have no um, respect for themselves or anybody else for that matter. It, it's night for them. It, it's pitch black. They're asleep. They're in a drunken stupor unbelievers are. At night people are in a pitch dark, they're in a coma, they're they're drunk, they are just absolutely asleep, dead to anything spiritual. That is the world. That's where they're at. That's why we want to have the compassion, realizing these guys are dead, they're in a stupor, they're in pitch darkness. They don't understand. How can I get through? Well, by the word of God, the Spirit of God working. Uh, there 's one last one here it 's salvation and wrath um, well, as a helmet, the hope of sal- salvation it says in eight and verse nine for God has not destined us for wrath right he 's talking to the thessalonians he 's talking to us today. We are not going to see the wrath of God in that it 's going to be judged on us, but for what for obtaining salvation or deliverance that 's the idea of salvation there. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. We will not have wrath. What will we have? Salvation or deliverance. And then he reminds us of who Jesus Christ is, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, there he's not talking about awake spiritually or asleep spiritually, but what is he talking about? Whether we are our bodies have died, you know, or we happen to be alive at the moment that he comes back we will live together with Him. So if my body dies, I still go on to be with Him, to live with Him. So he says, we're not in the darkness. We're not drunk. We're not going to have the wrath of God come to us. Now, th- now thinking back now, remember their question about the, the rapture? And now the day of the Lord? And he's just coming back and saying, okay, with all of this, with all of these contrasts that we have, he says... What are you guys worried about? You're not going to experience the wrath of God. Do you think He's comforted them now? That's what His whole point on this was anyway. Um, not something to scare them, but He's already said in 4.18, Therefore, comfort one another with these words, that the dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive shall be caught up together with them, and the clouds will be together with the Lord forever. Isn't that comforting? And then he talks about the day of the Lord and he says, you're not in the day of the Lord. You don't have to worry about it. If they were confused and there were people going around teaching false teachings, and now he's, the Apostle Paul, who they were led to Christ by, says, no, those guys are teaching false stuff. No, the day of the Lord hasn't come. And you don't even have to worry about it. it <laughs> Do you see now the context of the rapture and the day of the Lord, how that works? And so he used all of these contrast and light and you know day and night. And we, we have reason for guaranteed deliverance. And all believers are appointed to obtain the final salvation. And not for the awful day of the Lord, and so the basis of our confidence is found in verse ten, who the one who died for us. So there's our basis. We look back at that, whether we're uh, awake or asleep, we'll live together with him. And then he does in verse eleven what he did in chapter four, verse eighteen. Therefore, encourage, come alongside one another, build up, edify one another. Remind. One another. Remind. You see what the church is all about? That's what the church is to do. You guys are okay. It's alright. You don't have to be worried anymore. And immediately, those guys when they read this had to go,
1: oh. yeah, I,
0: told you. <laughs> yeah. I told you all along, man.
1: See what Paul said?
0: <laughs> By the way, just to close out, when he says in verse 9, for God has not destined us for wrath, Folks, we don't have, but you know what the word for wrath is there? Orge. And this is dealing with a settled, heated anger that's boiled up, and it's, you know, the the anger of God will uh, consume them. And of course, we can look in chapter 1, verse 10, where he says, And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath of God to come. Mm. Ultimately, that last wrath mm. um, that will be dealt with. And boy, you can think of so many scriptures that deal with that. And of course, John the Baptist talked about the wrath that is to come. Mm. matter of fact, in Pilgrim's Progress, you see that, uh, you hear of that quite a bit.
1: You get a lot of the wrath of God in Revelation.
0: <laughs> sure do. It's I mean, it's it's all that pretty well. Yeah. With with His grace.
1: With the pouring out of it. Seven cups and the blowing of the seven trumpets, and, and his wrath comes in waves and it just gets worse and worse and worse and
0: more. Birth pains, right? Yeah, That's what pain, we. Just more that powerful, last week. More.
1: He's been storing this up for an eternity. <laughs> time to
0: come. when he unleashes it, it'll be on every individual, it'll be on all the nations put together, uh, and it's going to be like nothing has ever happened before. Yes, he did the flood. That's pretty angry, destroying everybody except one family. Wrath to come. Oh, oh! you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? John Bunyan loves to use that in Pilgrim's Progress. Flee from the wrath to come. Who warned you about it? Oh, you think you believe that, right? John the Baptist, I'm sure he preached a lot about the wrath to come. And that's really what this is ultimately speaking to, and that's what we dealt with on the day of the Lord. So, yeah, Revelation is just full of it. Constantly using that same thought, same idea, same word. Anyway, doesn't that all make sense? It just fits in with where we've been for the last few weeks then. And he just delineates and he says, hey, don't worry. Uh, We don't have a whole lot left in Thessalonians and um, a lot of different exhortations come, but it's all in context. It all reads together. helps us interpret that. Thank you guys for coming out tonight. And... uh, just being able to just get into God's Word and kind of refresh our thoughts and our minds on this. Uh, I don't think anything this is really new, but I think it's kind of neat to see those contrasts to see that uh, uh, it stays fluid with that. I think it comforts us. I think it should comfort us completely. Hey, Avell, would you want to lead us a prayer? Yeah. Oh, Frida wants us to pray. Um, There's a guy by the name of Dan who used to be a pastor of hers when she first became a Christian up in Michigan. Is he still pastoring? Yeah. Okay. Um, He he was the one who married Ed's daughter last Saturday. Frida's granddaughter. That's Frida's granddaughter. So Frida knows him really well and everything. Anyway, uh, he and his wife then... Left after that just to spend some time together, which you know they they really needed her birthday and everything. And they had a son that is like 23, I think, and he was riding on a motorcycle uh, anyway. He uh, home on leave from the service, and so they really were going to probably run into him later or something, but anyway, uh, he crashed and he got killed and uh, they didn't he shut off his phone because a lot of times you get calls when you know it just yeah and you can understand we've all done that um, but they whenever they got back home uh, the police told them that uh, they were waiting for they were, yeah is
1: this not a believer yeah
2: uh
0: okay. yeah okay.
2: Of, yeah one thing he is a believer okay this also the same